So I'd like to uh, welcome each and every one of you to the uh, uh, hour-long uh, Wednesday evening period. I have here in front of me the uh, theme for the month. So it is uh, listening this week, speaking next week, uh, facing uh, conflict the week after, and the importance of uh, silence um, on the uh, last Wednesday of the month. <clears throat> so uh, I'll speak to you for two or three minutes uh, on the theme of listening. Then there will be a uh, guided meditation, which of course is listening, followed on from uh, with a short uh, uh, talk on the theme followed up with uh, any questions that you might have or some inquiry might be on the theme or, some, or if something else is important for you, of course, do uh, feel free to touch upon it. <clears throat> so to uh, take uh, the listening uh, right here, um, we look at the condition of ourselves as human beings and we see that essentially we have uh, access to five senses eyes ears nose tongue and touch and the ears obviously serve as the function of listening uh, the listening mode um, is uh, uh, regarded particularly with teachings and practices the most important of the five senses and there is a process we might say or a sequence which accompanies it as far as teachings practices and understanding goes what that means is that there are times in our life where there is a genuine and authentic receptivity. We listen to another, might be in the so-called real world, might be uh, um, on the news channel, YouTube, um, audio, iPods, and much, much more. And there's the act of the listening, and in the listening, something touches a very a deep genuine response the significance of it is that that response can provide a real insight be immensely beneficial and sometimes we use this rather high language what i heard was life changing this is the, the power of the listening, in which there is the ears to hear, and there is that which we hear, which we respond to. It's very precious in life, uh, vitally important with life, to have contact with that which is important to hear and to really give that some priority with our life. At times we hear, we listen to that. It may not touch a deep awakening, insightful realization response. That may not happen. But we do sense there's something important in what we heard. So then we go from the receptivity to the act of the listening. That may be enough when it touches the deep response. Or the recognition there's something valuable here. And then it goes to mindfulness of that, reflection on that, meditation on that. With the talk with you this evening, after the uh, 
guided meditation. I'll go into that in more detail about this process of life, this precious process, in fact, of life. <clears throat> so, and then we'll include in it the listening to ourselves, which is another important uh, area. What do we listen to in ourselves? And therefore, outer and inner listening play an, an immensely vital role in human experience in, in awakening our life. And that's what I'll touch upon uh, uh, with you um, in the time. So let's initially have our, <clears throat> um, I'm just going to bend down and have a, a sip of the water here. Actually, I had some hot lemon ginger this evening. Some of you, and like many other friends, um, who especially, particularly in India, sometimes also, particularly in India, <coughs> um, will know that come 9.30 at night, at the end of the meditator's day, at the end of the day of the retreat, there is religiously offered a hot lemon ginger for all the meditators and teachers. And somebody said to me, oh, Christopher, why is it that we have hot lemon ginger at 9.30 at night? And I laughed. I said, because the guru likes hot lemon ginger. <laughs> Cheers. It's called privilege. I'm using the word guru with a tiny, small g, by the way. Actually, the original meaning of it is heavy. Not a bad uh, idea. Sometimes it's be a bit heavy with life. All right. We're going to have a, a guided meditation, a little reflection as well in this, um, on listening and usual encouragement that we sit with a straight posture. We just sit. Sitting and just sitting is one of the primary expressions of non-doing. It's a meaningful antidote to all this doing, doing, and endless doing. We can realize immense discoveries in our receptivity and in our non-doing. So there is equal, not more, not less, but equal appreciation to the experience of non-doing as there might be with anything that we do. Our non-doing provides the calm, the clarity, and the space, the skillful doing.
So right now, <clears throat> it is non-doing. It is <clears throat> receptivity. And in this case, primarily with the listening. The stillness of the being of the one who listens supports the receptivity. Not with a view to have to agree nor disagree. So the basic event are <clears throat> words emerging out of perceptions, feelings, concepts, experiences, through the being and then the voice of another, moving through the air and through the courtesy, shall we say, of technology to the ones who listen. The event of listening, speaking and listening has always, without exception, been like this. the constructions of languages, the sound of the voice, the vibration of the formations of the words traveling in time and space, and another human being listening. we can recognize, so to speak, where or what happens for us in the silent process for the listener. So we listen to acknowledge and recognize where it lands, that means the words, the voice. To be clear, do the words, the voice of that which we listen to, 
now or other situations, as it were, go over our head. We can't make sense of it. It seems very abstract, theoretical, metaphysical, incomprehensible. Does it trigger any reactions? I'm not clever enough to understand. This person is lost in their theories or whatever. When you listen, does what you listen to reach the mind? That knowledge, that information, that viewpoint. What is the response in the mind? that which we listen to, does it impact on the feeling tones, on the emotional life? Happiness or unhappiness? Empathy or anger. What is our response in the listening which impacts? on the feeling tones, on the emotions. Whether with laughter and humour, or with anger or frustration or stress. Are we receptive to that which touches the deep place? It doesn't go over our head, it doesn't land in the mind, it doesn't impact on the emotional responses. that which is deep in our receptivity touches something deeper in the being.
offering an insight, an understanding, a realization or the potential for it. So there is a relationship between the speaker and the listener. And we bring mindfulness to be as clear as possible where it lands over the head, in the mind, in the heart, in the deep of the being. mindful to see if what we listen to triggers old reactions the duality of for and against in terms of views and opinions right and wrong and old reactive patterns And there is an impact on the emotions. Does it trigger old reactions as well? It reminds us of something to be more mindful and work with. And finally, at times when we just listen, as a bare practice, as bare attention, as a mindful being. And this listening itself gives support to another. Just as we wish to be listened to, just as we wish to be heard, so our listening fully to another is the empathy for the other knowing she or he also wishes to be heard. This is one of the great practices of human existence. practice of listening. Remaining minute or two.
Lovely. Thank you for uh, uh, lending an ear, as uh, we say. <clears throat> I've been saying this lending an ear for about 50 years. <clears throat> I rather uh, like it. It's not asking people to listen to two ears, <laughs> with two ears, <laughs> but there's also no choice. <laughs> We're supposed to be living with all these choices. <laughs> if you met anybody who just likes to listen with one ear? <laughs> all right, anyway, so let me just talk a little bit more about the theme with you, and then sometime for some questions or inquiry. So as I mentioned, there is a process. This process which takes place, in some situations, you and I will go into a certain social environment, might be one person or more, and we just know the importance of uh, listening calmly and clearly in a non-reactive space. That could be very regular because it is a person at home. It could be a person at work. It could be a family member who telephones you regularly. So there are certain people in our life from the young to the very elderly with whom listening is our primary daily practice. If we don't get it right, there will be stress, agitation, anxiety, contraction, and that will spill over into other areas. So let's uh, remember the value of the dynamics of the listening. And as I mentioned, there may well be one or two or more people in your life in different social environments where you just know this requires a lot of practice, a lot of listening. And that uh, readiness and preparation is rather vital. So you, as it were, you keep your cool. You have another metaphor here, kind of broad shoulders to be able to accommodate those words passing through the air and going to your ears. Not easy. That's why I say practice with uh, this. With the process itself, um, from the receptivity, which so we're not coming into an event with a lot of baggage or minimal. We give care to the posture, body, standing or walking with the person or sitting. And we also give care to the listening. And the listening is not just the content of what is being said. The listening also includes the feeling tone going with it. What is the general, uh, if there is, um, emotion or feeling going with it or absence of it. And the other aspect of it as well is the motivation. So when we're listening, it is the ability as much as we can to listen to the fullness of the voice in which the words are not separate from the motivation, not separate from the tone, the intentionality, uh, and what the person is trying to get across to us. We may need, I'll speak more about this with you next week, to see what is a skillful response to deal with a difficult person, but I'll talk about that with you next week. In the act of the listening, when the event is over, it is as vitally important as the act of listening itself. 
So in that, we'll take uh, a deep listening for the moment. Something touches a deep place. There is a recognition of its importance. It's, uh, something has spoken to you in a precious way. And it can be useful after that to, in the follow-up, to give a little reflection to it. It's not in order to, let's say, praise the speaker, whoever he or she may be. It might be a friend, it might be a colleague, it might be a mindfulness teacher, it might be a therapist, it might be someone you're having an informal conversation with. And that, the roles and the archetypes, honestly, are not important. Don't waste your time praising them or us for that matter. More importantly is what is said, not who said it. And it's touched. And therefore some response after that, a little reflection on that, might be useful. What will, and the, one of the questions with it, when something is touched deep, what way can you bring that into the daily life. What do you see as the benefit for you, that which you've listened to? So we shouldn't always just say to ourselves, wow, I listened to this. It was really helpful. It was insightful. I understood a lot. And kind of just assume, therefore, effortlessly, and easily, it will transfer into the daily life. It genuinely can happen. It's not to say it doesn't happen. But if we wish to nourish that, when the situation of the communication is over, which is important to you, a valid question will be, what is its application into the daily life? And that is usually the confirmation that an important communication to you has gone deep. It's not in the feeling sensation. It's not in the conviction of the voice of authority. It's not in your immediate affirmation. It's how it shows in the daily life. Then you know something is valid. How, it might be how, it sh how you are with the same person the next time you meet. So receptivity, listening, some reflection, application. This is, this is the, the body of it there. There are exceptions to this. And the exceptions to this, sometimes, and if I myself, one listens to something and... Um, Sometimes, from time to time, um, I have I'm one of those who uh, uh, uses Audible, the books. Um, listening to both fiction and non-fiction. One of my favorite books is uh, The Master and Margarita. And uh, another favorite book of mine is um, Camus, uh, The Outsider. And, many, and quite a few other books. And sometimes in the novel, this listening, that means with the audible in this case, <clears throat> when listen and it touches something, there is the truth. So fiction can communicate truth as much as nonfiction, by the way. And it touches a deep place. And there is a knowing, oh, I don't have to reflect on this. I don't have to think about applying it and just know it's touched a spot and there is a trust and confidence the benefits will show without the reflection. So let's be very flexible uh, both ways. And you and I surely can think back a little bit <clears throat> the many precious and valuable conversations uh, that we have with others. And as I say, it's not about the identity of the person you listen to. 
not about their clarity or their wisdom or what they've done. This is small change. It's that short statement or longer and out of it comes something insightful. If the principle of this has certainly can be applied to the external, but what about the internal listening? We might say, in this case to us so-called selves, who and what do I listen to within? This is a kind of, um, what should we call it, million euro question. It's a jackpot kind of question. It's the kind of question which should be, what, what, I'm trying to get the point across here, should be in the top 10 of our questions of life. Who and what do I listen to within? Um, I find it hard to believe that there is a kind of singularity of the, of, of the one voice. I don't think life in our being is that simple. It's a nice idea, but I don't buy the story. So what I mean by that is there are times when we listen there is uh, inwardly now. We're listening well and mindfully and carefully and deeply. And a response comes through where there is the singularity of the trust. The voice speaks to us. It informs us. And the outcome of that, it finds some manifestation. This voice is lovely. It is precious. We may not even know where it come from, came from, doesn't matter. But it kind of came out, came, shall we call it, out of the being. And it sheds light in uh, fresh ways. Sometimes, again, very life-changing. So the outer voice can be life-changing and also the inner. But what about the voice, voices, which are um, triggered by memory or thought or difficult circumstance or a habit, which is related to the past, and we know it's really a judgmental voice. It's not making a judgment. It's a judgmental voice. It is a reactive voice. Uh, it is a building oneself up voice. It's a putting of oneself down voice. Do we give to this voice, and there are many aspects, authority to it? That's the question. Do we have a rather tragic, in a way, habit that when the voice comes up, which is, let's say, blaming, getting high and fantasizing pleasure and gain, getting uh, afraid and putting ourselves down and not feeling good enough. With the, this, these kind of voices, are we identifying with these that we kind of actually believe there is some truth in it? Oh, this is tragic. Tragic. So it's a, a, a practice. So in other words, just as you and I don't like living to people, li sorry, I'm sorry, listening to people who 
live in the false, promote it, um, go on about something, um, seem really out of touch, negative or angry and confused. It's really hard to listen to. And yet sometimes human beings have got the same internal voice. So if another or others are, not, uh, <clears throat> are giving us a hard time, and uh, not very often, but time to time I quote the, the, uh, the Buddha, he's pretty insightful on these things. <clears throat> The uh, statement he, he's made was, nobody can give us so much of a hard time than we give ourselves. Not a truth in that. Not always, of course, there's no absolute to these things. So with the inner listening, yes, let's listen to the calm and the clarity. Let's listen to the insights and the understanding, the creativity and the inspiration and respond to it. It's very affirming for life. But let's also notice and be clear about those voices which are unhealthy, unhelpful. Poets will say, oh, it's... Uh, the devil inside of us, or whatever it might be. And sometimes we want to kind of, I should call it, psychoanalyze. We want to understand where it all came from, what the background to it all is, which, you know, from a, one's interested in psychology, um, genuinely can be helpful. But the most important thing is, to see the old clearly enough, not denying and not giving it authority over the living present. That's all. If looking into the past and the traumas and the pain and parental behavior, educational activity and all those things which affect our life for sure, give some clarity, and really makes a difference, fine. But the essential is to listen to the, the wise voice within and not give the authority to the old, unhelpful voice. And to really recognize this is old, fear is old, reactivity is old, blame is old, Contraction is uh, old, old. Excessive thinking is old, etc. To really know what is old and the way that that can influence over the living present. So our liberation, the freedom of being, includes with it, just in conclusion here, includes with it listening as a vital feature and that listening is inwardly and outwardly. One is not more important than the other because human beings, we are engaged with each other, clearly, and we are engaged with our inner life, clearly, as, as well. And so it's not a situation of, oh, first I've got to listen to myself, and then afterwards I listen to others. Not a chance. Not a chance. Life is communications, uh, inner and, uh, and out, uh, outer. I remember when I was in the cave in Thailand, just very briefly, a long time ago, of course, when I was a monk there, I thought there were no visitors for six, for, I was there for about nine months, not a visitor, just a cave in the hills, on the island, in the silence, in the stillness, and not a human being. Just go down silently to get the food and come back up to the cave. It was my idea of, of living in the Garden of Eden.
there. In nine months, actually just looking at some notes today, somehow or other, six people found their way up to the cave. Didn't invite them to come over nine months. They only stayed for 20 minutes or half an hour. So I you know, listened to them politely. Thank you, namaste, goodbye, whatever. And then got back into, uh, into the silence. So even in extended isolation, human beings may well arrive in our life. Let's be respectful, really listen. Insights may come to us. Listen to ourselves, insights may come. And the benefits will be far and wide. Most human problems in life do seem to occur when we can't listen to each other or listen to ourselves. All right, <clears throat> done. All right, just going to go back to my hot lemon, my lukewarm lemon ginger here. <clears throat> So let's have the quiet minute. You might say a quiet minute for a little inner listening. Yes, anyone with uh, any responses, the uh, usual two methods, speak or uh, leave, um, put a note, I'll just put the specs on here, and uh, sometimes in the, in the chat column. Anyone like to uh, make any response with the uh, uh, listening, but also anything else unrelated to that, you're of course absolutely free to speak. Has anybody uh, listened to anything um, interesting today? I'm curious. Anybody had an interesting communication with, uh, with another? <laughs> Silent yogis. <laughs> nice. Well done. Hello? Yes, okay. <laughs> Go on. I really, I did have an interesting conversation, but I don't know if you find it interesting. All right, I'll t I'll, if I find it interesting, I'll tell you, and if I don't find it, I will also tell you, I promise. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I was going out for a walk with my uh, friend, her name is Lisa, Yeah. and um, she comes from a, uh, like a working class background, and now she's studying um, sociology. Mm. And she said she always felt that she was wrong and her behavior is different to the others because she can't move like the others do and she can't speak as the other yes. do because she's a bit, she said she's a bit uh, rougher, mm. a bit different. And I thought it was very interesting because yes. I thought that it, uh, was really cool because she's got a broader view. She's got this one, um, you know, the working class background. She knows how to how they speak, and she knows something about the others. And then maybe they are not so different. I don't know. 
But I, I think it's it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, these conversations um, have a lot of potential with them because uh, she is sharing something with you, which is, of course, an act of love and trust and uh, confidence uh, in your uh, voice. And so a person has a certain kind of upbringing. I, I also, single mum, working class, uh, there many times over the years, felt the blessing of it. And in that sharing, what uh, you heard a little bit from the good lady was some comparing going on of herself with other. And so there is an image of oneself, a bit rough or whatever the language might be, working class, or whatever, and then there is the image of the other, whatever, called middle class, called etc. And in that area in the listening might be one of the places where the communication can take place. So very, very quickly as an example, um, I had a coffee with a person, this is Britain, which is class-ridden society. And I ordered my usual oat latte. And he said, oh, I'll just have a coffee with milk. So I said, okay, coffee with milk. And then he said to me, only the middle classes drink oat latte. So there's one identity. And there's another identity. I apparently must be middle class, which the thought is unbearable. But anyway, uh, there. And how easy there. But in there, you recognize something different. What was your response when uh, the good lady spoke to you? What did you say when she spoke about working class and comparing? What, what, what did you respond? I said that I find it interesting that she somehow thinks that these other people are better than her. Yes. All right. Um, I thought, yeah, that's what I said. And that I said that I find it interesting that she somehow thinks that it's her decision that her upbringing was like this because yes. she didn't decide. So nobody really decides. You know, you you don't call somebody, oh, I would like to be in this family, and then I would... Yeah. <laughs> right, all right, right. So it's a, another kind of confirmation that the variety of conditions help shape our life. We, we, we certainly need some confidence uh, uh, with that. Could anything have been communicated, a very open question, on Earth reflection, which would support her. So the differences in upbringing, the differences in schooling, in income, in the voice, um, which will see that the gap is really a very small and not very important gap. Anything that you might have responded, apart from the support that you gave her, to end the gap between so-called working class, even the middle classes are working class because they work too, but anyway, uh, and the middle classes. Um, what do you mean? I could say or something that I have said. Say again, you could have... What do you mean? Something that I said? Yeah, yeah, no, something that you... In a oh, situation that like that, it's a common view. I'm mm -hmm. working class, I'm a bit rough, uh, others are better off than me, that, that comparing. And we want to, in the listening to that, to find a communication, it might be questions, might be making one or two points, 
there. So she really appreciates fully who she is. And no, there is no one above her, nor below her, nor the same. She just appreciates the conditions that make her as she is and the conditions that they have as well. Anything that you could contribute? Mm. Oh. Okay, That's I, I understand your question now. Okay. Yes. Um, you mean that she, something to say so that she can appreciate her upbringing, yes. her conditions? Yes, yes. Yes, I, I could ask her what was good or what is good or, or what she likes in her life right now because this yeah. is made up from conditions as well. Exactly. So, lovely. I mean, it's a lovely response. So it's it, it, just that to enable her to recognize who she is, precious events in her life, a, a willingness to share and speak with you, which is precious of itself. And that's far more important than this class structure. All right. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'll uh, just have a. I see there's um, uh, a note on the uh, chat board here. It says, "Which mindfulness listening exercises for a smaller group uh, or for one-to-one -one can you recommend in a company setting?" Uh, <clears throat> with um, the smaller group first, one-to-one, -one, uh, 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 as, as, as well, um, if a person has some authority, and what I mean by that, there is before the event, an opportunity to have a few kind of guidelines. This is with a, a, a small group. And the guidelines, of course, time and place, how much time, to ensure that each person has an equal opportunity to speak. Because some people are very used to speaking, but others are rather shy. But it's sometimes the quiet ones who are the most receptive, who have the most insight. And therefore, the agreement of the collective, the small group, we will listen to each other. We will, let's say you've got half an hour and you've got six people. So it's going to be around, let's make it around five minutes per person. So that everyone has some opportunity uh, there. Perhaps one person might take a note of what's helpful and supportive there. Perhaps one person might just on at the conclusion express some kind of appreciation to what was shared and what was touched upon. So that each person feels recognized and feels heard. And if there is a quiet, shy person or two in the group, the one who gives the summary, she or he, recognizes and quotes the person who tends to be quiet, who tends to say little or very, very uh, little. Because sometimes, as we know, a few words can be really insightful and reveal a lot more than someone who goes, da, 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 and just takes over the meeting. So it's time, place, a shared sense, 
each one having an, uh, an opportunity to speak, ensuring that happens, that no person or two dominate, and a little summary of the whole group meeting just at the end with the words of appreciation. And this can genuinely help a great deal uh, in uh, the small group. A little bit similar, in fact, with the one-to-one. -one. You're going to meet with somebody. Sometimes we might know the person very well. So we need to be mindful of what we know about her or him. What kind of tone of voice? Do they speak a lot or little? Is it more important to ask questions? that communication. It might be a completely new person, or perhaps in a role of meeting people, new people every day because of the work uh, loads. It's going to require some real presence and attention and recognize that in meeting a new person, the other person may be nervous, a bit anxious, fearful, may have something they want to prove, so the meeting with the other, who we have not met before, is going to take a little skill to really listen well to her or him. And, and one aspect of that, I'll talk about this next week, um, is being mindful of our responses. What we say, tone and manner, and sometimes, um, and I find this quite regularly in talking to people, I ask a question and the person may take several seconds or longer before they reply. Give the person a chance. In the one-to-one, -one, let the person find their own, find their voice. <clears throat> also helpful. Right, we've gone past the, um, thank you still for listening at four minutes past uh, there. So let's just have, uh, uh, the quiet minute together, and then uh, just a few sentences of summary. So this evening period, giving priority to the listening, valuing outer listening and inner listening equally, a variety of conversations in our day-to-day -day life, where some depth of sharing and communication can take place. In the listening inwardly, quiet voice of uh, some clarity, of appreciation, of benefit, of insight, to really find ways to apply, and really noticing the old reactive voice. So sometimes, let's say the old reactive voice is rather hard, blaming and judgmental. We might ask ourselves, can I listen within to a kind voice, a soft voice. Or the voice might be kind of fearful and uh, contracted. Can I find the voice and express the voice which is, carries more firmness to it, which communicates a quiet authority? So, with the old habits and patterns, it might require us to see, can I find a different voice to the old one, which is healthy, fearful, or blaming or reactive. And so we keep developing uh, the voice of calm and clarity and the quiet authority which accompanies it. Thank you very, very much for uh, uh, listening. And We'll be all being well in touch with each other a week's time. 
and next week it will focus on speaking, both one-to-ones and in groups, and including facilitation, teaching, leadership, that will be part of next week. All right, thank you very much. Lots of love to you all. <laughs> Bye for now. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.